What's the most important sales tool you've probably forgotten? And how is that keeping you from realizing your sales potential? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. This episode of Shift Shapers is a little bit different if you happen to be listening sitting at a desk or if you're someplace where you have a printer, you might want to pause the recording and go to the website and print out the discovery document, which you can find in two places. You can either click the special offers button on the right-hand side of the podcast or you can look underneath the notes for this show and it will give you a link to be able to download that document as well. So for those of you who can download it, fine. And if not, you'll certainly get a lot out of the podcast and you can download the document a little bit later. We're speaking with John Stoner, who's founder and president of the Stoner Organization. And John's going to chat with us a little bit about something he's worked very hard on. That's a pet peeve of mine. It's kind of the, the first thing you learn when you go into the insurance business. And for a lot of folks, it's the first thing that you unlearn and I think it sets back your ability to realize your full sales potential. So with that, and no further ado, John, welcome. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. Now, what you work off of is something that you call the discovery document. Can you tell our listeners what that is? Well, again, like you mentioned, uh, my background was life insurance uh, for 15 years before I got in the fringe benefit business. And of course, uh, fact finders or discovery agreements were a major factor in your training and learning. And I've uh, transferred that over to our fringe benefit practice. And I always, whether it's a 10 person group or a 250 person group, take 15 to 20 minutes to go through this three page discovery. And I will be happy to share some of the questions that perhaps some folks attending may not have thought to answer before and explain why. I'm not going to go through all three pages in every question, but for instance, here on the first page, uh, after I've asked the employer's name and address, it says, does the employer own more than 50% of another business? Many of the entrepreneur clients that we have have more than one business and the compliance laws, COBRA laws, change if you uh, are a 50% owner of a second or third business. So we want to know that up front. I'm asking them here, how many new hires to be expected in the next year? And they may say 10. And the next question is, what's your waiting period? And if they say exactly 60 days, I would then suggest to change it to the first of the month after 60 days, and they'll save half a month's premium on those 10 new people. So I found a little bit of money. 
got a question here on the first page about the type of business entity. So we want to know if it's a C Corp, S Corp partnership or an LLC, because that tells us how the owner's premiums will be taxed. And it also tells us how group disability insurance will be taxed. We asked the number of pay periods because we want to know that because when we share a spreadsheet with them, we're going to show the employee's portion of the premium based on the pay periods. At the bottom of the first page here, we ask about our premiums being paid with pre-tax dollars. You'd be surprised that some 15 and 20 person firms are still aren't paying premiums with pre-tax dollars. And we also ask if the Section 125 document has been amended in the last 18 to 24 months, because if it hasn't, it's probably outdated and we'll give them another one. On the second page, we're asking them about the health plan, dental plan, vision plan, life plan, voluntary life, short-term disability, and long-term disability. But on the dental, we ask them to request claims experience. On the vision, we ask them to request claims experience. On the short-term disability, we ask them, and I'll explain why later, And on the long-term disability, we want to know, we'd ask for claims experience. We're asking about if daycare are included in the FSAs, maybe 20, 30, 40% of business don't even offer FSAs. We have success with employer seeding an FSA or an HSA account. We recently sold a high deductible plan where the employer matched the first $50 a month that the employees put in either an FSA account or an HSA account. So that's been a successful strategy for us. Under the COBRA administration, we ask them about the general notice because many times a vendor like Ceridian is doing the COBRA, but they don't do the general notice and the employer doesn't know that it's mandated. A question here, who assists with the annual form 5500? Last November, we picked up agent record on a 230-person firm because there had been no Form 5500 filed in the last five years, and it uh, created some heartburn for them, and we were able to pick up a case based somewhat on that. On the third page of the discovery agreement, we're asking if they have a composite billing vendor. Usually, that answer is no. We ask if they utilize an online enrollment system. Very importantly, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Do you have a strategy or process regarding uh, options for the 65-plus-year-olds to get off the group plan? We're going to spend a little bit of time on that shortly. I have about five questions here that would tell me uh, how we may assist them with short-term and long-term disability. And those questions would be, we want to know the number of sick days, vacation days, personal days, and paid time off after somebody's been there a year or five years or 10 years. And that guides us as to whether they should have a 1-8, a 7-7, or a 15-15 on the short-term disability waiting period. Do you have a formal sick pay plan? How would you or would you pay 100% compensation until the long-term disability policy starts paying? How many short-term or long-term claims have you had in the past two years? Did the above-mentioned disability claim result in employee termination or trigger a distribution from a qualified plan? And have you had a defined benefit pension plan in the past? All six of those questions uh, relate to short-term and long-term disability, which we uh, have maybe 100 clients, and many times uh, they need some fine-tuning on that question is, have you initiated a planning strategy or process to deal with ACA reporting requirements? That's a huge area right now. 
And finally, the last two questions, I would now be probably 20 minutes into uh, the interview, and I'll hopefully I'm having a, a pleasant experience with the HR person or the CFO. So I have a question here to discuss the decision-making process as it relates to fringe benefit plans and who is a decision-maker, because probably like myself, most of the folks listening in of the cases that we have not sold, we lost, it probably was because we weren't talking to the decision maker. We were talking to the wrong person. So I want to know what the process is, and I want to know who the decision maker is. So that concludes the discovery agreement, David. You know, John, I wish you could see me because I'm smiling. Besides differentiating your firm, because my guess is that most clients have never had anybody come in and do this kind of a comprehensive audit, certainly in, right. in such a short way, you've just done something that you and I talked about offline you've actually made the sale. And, and for my nickel, you've not only made the sale, you've made sales for months and years to come. That's true. Explain exactly what you mean by that. Well, again, if you're with somebody that's defensive, you know by the end of the sale and they won't answer the questions, you probably are just better off and not spending any more time and energy. But on the other hand, if you've developed a relationship and again, they're going to respect you for asking these questions, somebody else probably hasn't asked them. But with all the answers I get, we now go find 8, 10, 12 areas that we're going to be able to improve value. And that's the whole purpose of being in the business and being successful is helping them improve value, whether that's improved benefits or equal benefits for less money. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. One of the things that you said that I know you want to get back to and I do also is you talked about a Medicare strategy. And I think that's huge and it's something that many advisors are overlooking. Talk about how you implement that, what that process is from your perspective and, and why it matters to employers. Well, for the folks that are able to download the handout, I'm looking at the bottom line on a spreadsheet that shows the renewal offer or the current premiums on this about 20-person group for 145000 and the renewal premiums annualized to 162. So we were successful in getting an employee and spouse off the plan that went back to the carrier and asked them to renew or revise the renewal plan. And it went down to 133,000. So we went, instead of going from 145 to 162, we went back to 133. The next example in the handout is a, about a 30 person firm 
that was going from 157 annualized premiums to 201,000. And we got two employees with two dependents or their spouses off the plan. And the cumulative premium went back to 131. And the individual rate was going from 487 up to 622. And it went back to 497. And the third example is as dramatic in that we moved three people out of 17 over 65 off the plan and saved about $30,000. As you know, and all attendees know, uh, you're not allowed to incent the older folks to get them off the group plan. So a strategy that we've had success with that ERISA attorneys tell us that's okay is that the firm announces to employees that as of maybe the first of the month, a month from now, they're going from a hundred dollar a month employee contribution to a two fifty a month employee contribution. However, at the same time, they're going to give a pay raise to all employees on the group plan equal to that one hundred and fifty dollars more. So with that, the pay raise is deductible to the employer now as compensation instead of a premium. The pay raise to the employee when they pay their higher premium, higher contribution through the 125 plan, they have no difference in take-home pay because there's no adverse Social Security taxes or income taxes. So the participant's take-home pay is exactly the same. But what happened now, that employee that was paying 100 a month that was getting ready, that got a $150 a month raise, uh, that naturally totals 250 They can buy a Medicare Advantage policy or Medicare supplement policy for probably $120, $125 a month. So they then will voluntarily get off the group plan. And when they get off the group plan, the rates will go down. So that that's a strategy that's helped us get agent of record letters. And to my knowledge, nobody else in our area is doing that. And we have three folks on board that specialize in Medicare type policies, whether Medicare supplements or Medicare advantages. And we're out talking to the HR folks and having them let us have a group meeting with their employees that are over 65. And that's been a great value add. Another strategy that I know you guys employ, and it may be very different than what a lot of listeners employ, is you don't use an HRA or a MERP in conjunction with a high deductible health plan. You said offline that you had to have a better mousetrap. So if you don't do that, what do you guys do? We use what we call a self-funded medical plan, and it's the same document that when group insurance was invented and large corporations like GE and General Motors self-funded, they used a document that's different than the HRA and HSAs that were invented just 15 years ago. So the whole insurance community went to the bandwagon of HSAs, FSAs, HSAs, HRAs. The document that we use allows for the LLC owners to participate, which an HRA does not. It allows over 65 folks to participate, which an HSA does not. But the most valuable aspect is it allows for employer and employee monies. So we have, we typically use a high deductible plan that has copays. We supplement it with this self-funded medical plan with the only claim being eligible would be a claim that applies toward the deductible. So we're not picking up the copays. We only pick up the hospital stays. So we want to save money on a hundred percent of the people, write checks to five to seven percent of the people. 
that check shouldn't be for more than two or three thousand dollars per person per plan year, which is uh, manageable. And the fact that we collect in employee monies and employer monies, it ends up being very, very attractive. And we've got clients that using this technique that haven't had rate changes or effective net rate changes over the last five-year period of time because we keep moving them to a higher deductible and having the employer take a little bigger risk. And we've got both employer and employee monies in the reserve fund to pay for that. So it's quite dramatic. And anybody that gets a handout or accesses the handout will see an example of that. Well, we've got about five minutes left, and I know there are two areas that I wanted to discuss with you. One was something unique that you guys also do with group life plans. It's a little bit different. Can you tell us about that? Yes. I'm not going to explain the traditional group life plan, but I'll explain uh, what we think is a better mousetrap, and that is we start with a employer paying for the first ten or 20000 using a voluntary plan step rates. So it's a voluntary-only design, and the employer pays for the first 10000 or 20000 just like they would be under the traditional composite-rated plan. But this gets us 100% participation, and when we get 100% participation on the voluntary plan, the rates go down 20 or 30%. So when the rates go down 20 or 30%, the, the average of the step rates is now similar to what the composite rate was, but the cost to employees to buy more is now down by 25 or 30%. And equally as importantly, most supplemental plans are not paid with pre-tax dollars, but the IRS says you can pay for the first 50000 using pre-tax money. So if the employer pays for 10, the employees that want to buy up can buy up 40 more with pre-tax money. So when the rates are 25% less and they're paid with before-tax dollars versus after-tax dollars, we end up with a uh, 50% improvement in value to the participants and an equal advantage or equal cost to the employer. Do you find that that also drives greater participation? Uh, Well, we started off with 100% participation because the employer paid for the first 10,000 on everybody, but we had a recent case... uh, uh, in December on 232 employees again, that there was 2 million in volume of supplemental life. And after we did this, there was 11 million of supplemental life in place. That certainly is driving more business. And that's, that's what we're all speaking of driving more business. I know commission compression is real for everybody, no matter where you are. And a lot of our listeners are contemplating adding new lines of business. And I know something that you're passionate about is self corporately self-funding STD dental and vision plans. Can you tell us how that works? Well, when we look at claims experience on short-term disability plans, we see that it's priced about 65% of the premiums go to, toward claims and the carrier wants 35% retention for premium tax, fixed costs, commissions, and profit. We like the concept. Again, we've asked for claims experience, so we know what's happened and with the in-place plan or the voluntary plan over the last two or three years because we've got claims experience and we suggest a benefit insured of $100 a week. Uh, So that still has 35% retention on the premium for that, but self-insure the amounts, corporately self-insure the amounts above that $100 a week benefit and use the same factor when you're collecting money from employees that's going in the reserve fund, use the same factor that was used that the carrier would have charged you for fully insured rate. 
and you build up a financial cushion and that cushion will pay those claims and probably reimburse the employer for the $4 or $5 a month they paid for the $100 a week fully insured benefit. And we have great success with that. And all of these strategies lead back to the initial fact finder, don't they? Yes. So, you know, you're sitting with an employer and you start with this fact finding process. How often do you find, I'll I'll kind of go back to something we talked about earlier on. How often do you find that employer is surprised because nobody's ever done this kind of an assay with them? Well, I would say that 70 or 80% of the time. And again, we're going to have results of other employers who've implemented it a few years earlier, and we're going to have claims results of their current vision, dental, short-term disability. So we're going to have a lot of homework done, and we've got some pretty simple concepts that make a lot of sense that people just haven't paid attention to. We always like to ask our guests in closing kind of where they see the future. You know, you and I discussed off air that the industry certainly is changing an awful lot. You and I are both old life guys. That's where we both came into the business, and now we're kind of on the benefits side. What do you see in the near and midterm for practitioners and and small agencies as far as opportunities and how they need to change in order to take advantage of those? Well, everything that we've talked about in the discovery agreement here and these few simple ideas that work are key. I also would say that if I were an HR person, I want the same platform for benefits enrollment, for payroll, composite billing, simplified enrollment. So I I think that whoever can deliver the best value to make it easy for the HR executive in combination with these cost savings plan designs that I just mentioned are going to be the winners. And value is a great place to leave our discussion. John Stoner, founder and president of the Stoner Organization. John, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience today. You're welcome. Thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.